want to welcome the Beckers to us today. And Robert is going to be the one presenting the message today, so we're going to give him the floor. It's all yours. Uh, we are the Becker family, and uh, I always love to share how we got to the country of Argentina. The truth be told is uh, I was never going to be a missionary to Argentina. That was not on my agenda. Uh, I can remember I was saved at the age of 15, and a year later surrendered to the ministry and what the Lord would have for me. And at that time, I was thinking about going into missions. I had a missionary friend uh, invest in me and give me some missionary biographies. And I can remember reading those stories about Hudson Taylor and David Livingston and Adoniram Judson, all these missionaries of the past. And I can just remember thinking, ah, that's really cool. But my favorite were the ones to Africa. And so I, I figured if I was going to go into missions, I was going to Africa. I mean, I loved reading about these guys. You know, they're out in the jungles of Africa. They're punching lines. They're, they're telling people about Jesus and killing snakes. I mean, that just that really excited me. I'm like, that's what, that's what I want to do. You know, that's where I want to go. I want to go to Africa. Well, then in 2015, a missionary friend of mine came by my church, and he invited me to, what, to the Our Generation Summit put on by Vision Baptist Missions. And I went to this summit, and at that, the conference there, hearing the preaching of the Word of God and the missionary presentations, I, I rededicated and re-surrendered my life to the Lord and to full-time missions. And from the time I surrendered, I was going to Africa. That's where I was going. And then uh, six months later, I moved down to Alpharetta, Georgia, from uh, Hartville, Ohio. And I moved down there to Georgia to go to the Bible College there at Vision Baptist Church. And I can remember the whole time I was going through school, I was going to Africa. That's where I was going. I wasn't sure where, but maybe Mozambique, maybe, maybe uh, Madagascar or South Africa. But I was going to Africa. That's where I was going. Africa, Africa, Africa. And, you know, and that's where I was going. But shortly after my wife and I were married in May of 2017, we were blessed with the opportunity to go on a short missions trip with our pastor to Peru, South America. And our pastor, uh, Brother Gardner, he had been there as a missionary for about 20 years or so. And I, as we were on this trip, me and him, we were driving around out on these dirt roads in the city of Atiquipa and, you know, just people upon people everywhere. And he's talking to me and says, Robert, I was here for 20 years and there's still open door and there's still a need here in the city of Atiquipa to see the lost evangelized and reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, I was, while I was spending time with my pastor, the Holy Spirit came to my heart and started saying, Hey, Robert, you want to be a missionary to South America? I'm like, nope, I'm going to Africa, God. I'm going to Africa. And the Holy Spirit kept working on me. He's like, Robert, come on, just, would you just think about it? I'm like, God, I'm going to Africa. I'm going to be a missionary, but I'm going to be a missionary in Africa. The Holy Spirit just kept working on me. Would you just consider it, Robert? Just come on, come on, just consider I'm like, okay, God, I'll consider it, but it's not happening. I'm going to Africa. You know, I had my plans, my idea made up, and but that's where I was going. But then shortly after we got back from that trip, uh, we got there, and we were there, and shortly after getting back from that trip, my pastor came to me and said, Robert, there's an opportunity for you and your wife to go and spend six months in the country of Argentina working with missionary Patrick Henry there in the city of Buenos Aires, the capital city. And I'm like, would you be willing to go and learn under a missionary, gain more experience in the ministry and on the mission field and just, just be able to be there and learn and be a servant? I'm like, yeah, that'd be a great learning opportunity. I'd love to go. I'm not going to be a missionary to Argentina, but I'll go and I'll learn and I'll grow and that'll be a good time. And so we go to Argentina and the first couple months we're there in the city of Buenos Aires where me and my wife were thinking, mm, we're not coming here. No, this isn't where we're coming. But then we started looking around and we started noticing some things about the country of Argentina. One of the things that we noticed there was that, they, that we went one day to this 
out to this pier there on the ocean. And out on this pier, they had this great big statue that was supposed to depict Christ. And they called it Christ the Redeemer statue. And the people of Argentina were told to take boxes much like this one. We saw wooden boxes and cardboard boxes. And the people of Argentina have been told to go and take that box and to place inside that box the ashes of a loved one who's died. And they're told to take that box and to place it there before that idol, before the statue, and to pray to that idol, to pray to that statue for that person. Because they've been told, if you just say enough prayers, if you just say enough prayers for that person, you can get them out of hell. And in fact, if you say enough prayers for yourself, you can get out of hell. You just got to pray enough. And I can remember thinking to myself, that's not how you get to heaven. You don't get to heaven by, by saying prayers to an idol. That's, that's not how you get to heaven. I can remember being in the city of Buenos Aires, a, a city of nearly 16 million people. So it's just people on top of people, and the roads are small, and the cars are expensive. So everybody takes the train. The train is the best way to get around the city. And I can remember we take this train to language school every day. And I mean, just a couple of me and my wife and a couple million of our closest friends all trying to use the train system. It was great. I can remember we're, we're there, you know, hustle and bustle of the train station. But almost every day we get to the platform, and almost every day at the train station, there'd be these two people there. And they'd have their little magazine stands and their pamphlets, and they'd be trying to talk to people about their religion. Because they've been told, if you can just get enough converts to join the church, if you can just do enough for the church, if you can just be good enough, you can get to heaven. And I remember thinking, that's not how you get to heaven. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by His mercy He saved us. It's all what He's done. And I can remember seeing that, and these things are working in my heart, and... I can remember going around to the big, beautiful church buildings that they have there in the city of Buenos Aires and the country there, and the big, beautiful buildings. And almost without fail in these buildings around the auditorium would be boxes. And, there were, and, and, and the, scattered around the auditorium, and the people are told that you take your money and you place it inside that box, and as you place your money into that box, you're making down payment for your sin. Give enough money to the church and you can pay for your sins. Just give enough money. I can remember thinking to myself, that's not how you get to heaven. That's, that's not how you get there. And I can remember all these things working in my heart and thinking about Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But that's what the people of Argentina trust in. The people of Argentina, they trust in their works. They trust in what they can do to get them to heaven. And I can remember seeing all these things, thinking about that, and I remember being there, and we were in language school one day, and my wife, my wife and I, we were talking to our language school teacher, and she was talking about her vacation that she'd just gone on to visit her family, and her and her husband were saved there in the church that Patrick Henry started, and she was talking about her family and how they needed the gospel, and how they don't just need the gospel, but they needed a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And I can remember hearing that, and she asked, what about my family, Robert? She looked directly at me when she asked that, and I'm like, oh, um. And immediately the Holy Spirit brought to my mind Romans 10, 14, where it says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And that's really what the Holy Spirit used to convict me and to tell me that He wanted me in the country of Argentina. He wanted me and my wife to go to the country of Argentina and to be preachers, proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the goodness of God. 
We are so excited to be able to go there. We're so excited to be able to, to see churches started there in the country, to see the believers discipled, and to see men trained for the ministry, and to see pastors trained up. We're so excited to be able to go there and to tell them about the goodness of God and what He's done for them. You know, that's what I want to talk about with you today is the goodness of God. We, we serve a good God, so don't we? I mean, He's a, he's a good God. He's been so good to us. And I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5. And in Mark chapter number 5, we are, we are meet a very interesting person, a, a crazy person, you might say. In Mark chapter number 5, we encounter this. Well, he is crazy. There's no, word, there's no other word for it. He is insane. And in Mark 5, 5, we read this, and it says, And always night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. So this is where we meet this guy. We meet this guy out in the graveyard. This is where we encounter this guy, out in the graveyard, not in town with his friends and family, but out in the graveyard. He's crying out in pain and agony. He's, he's living in the graveyard. You know, when I think of a nice place to spend the night, I'm thinking of like a really fancy hotel, you know, maybe a, maybe a nice cabin up in the mountains somewhere. That's what I'm thinking about, not the graveyard. I, I'm I'm good. Like people, some people like to go into the graveyard at night and do a different thing. I'm like, nope, uh-uh, not me. You can put my body there when I'm dead and gone, but until then, I'm staying out. But here this guy is. This is where this guy's living. He's not living in town. He's not with his friends and family. He's out in the mountains, and he's picking up stones, and he's cutting himself, and he's crying out in pain and agony. And why is this? At the end of verse 2, we read that a man with an unclean spirit. He had demon possessed. This guy had demon in him and he was possessed with demons. That's where we meet this guy. You know, the word God tells us that this man, he was possessed of the devils. And you know, I can imagine the people, his family, they probably tried to help him at first and the scripture tells us that they did. But he would just break free of the chains that they used to bind him and, and they just continue hurting himself and perhaps other people. To the point that the people of the town, they're like, no, you need to leave. Get out of here. Go away. We don't want anything to do with you. And that's where we find this man. Until one day Jesus showed up. And Jesus, he showed up there. He and his disciples were crossing the sea on a boat. And he gets there and he, comes and he steps off the boat and this man sees him from the tombs. And this guy, he takes off and he runs down to Jesus. And he falls down at the feet of Jesus and he begins to have this conversation with Jesus. And he talks with Jesus. And this conversation goes a little something like this. Jesus looks at this man and he says, What's your name? And he says, My name is Legion, for we are many. This guy didn't just have one demon living inside of him, but he had multiple demons living inside of him. Multiple people indwelling in him and causing him hurt and pain. And the demons, knowing who Jesus is, say, Now Jesus... We know who you are. We know what you're capable of. But, but we like living inside this guy. Please, can we stay? But since we know who you are and we know you're going to heal him, there's some pigs over here. Can we go into the pigs? Is it all right if we go into the pigs? And Jesus commands them and gives them leave. And they go into this herd of pigs over here. Now we're introduced to some of my favorite people in the passage. The pig watchers. I love, the, I don't know why, but I love the pig watchers. Now, I can imagine it's real entertaining to uh, watch pigs all day. I know, 800 pound, 1,000 pound animal and that just wallows in the mud. I can't imagine that's real entertaining. 
You know, I can imagine these guys are a little bored. You know, they're just sitting here watching the pigs and looking at each other, you know, real a little bored. And then they see this man get off this boat and the crazy demon-possessed man that they know comes and uh, they start having this conversation and they're probably thinking, don't waste your time with him. He's worthless. Don't waste your time with that man. And then they notice their pigs start acting a little funny, maybe a little twitch at first, a little leg starts going, you know, and they just... Then they see their pigs take off and run full bore down the hill and into the sea and all drowned. I can imagine these guys looking at each other like, did you just, did you, did you, did you see, uh, uh, and they get scared out of their minds. They don't know what happened. All they just watched all their pigs run violently, crazily down this hill. And they take off and they run into town. I can imagine these guys, they run into town at the top of their lungs. They're screaming, the pigs are gone, the pigs are gone, the demon-possessed guy, the pigs, and the demon-possessed guy, the pigs, and the demon-possessed guy. I imagine the people of the town, they start coming out of their houses, looking at these guys like, what in the world is, guys, calm down. No, no, the pigs are gone, the demon-possessed guy, the pigs. And the people are like, okay, calm down, calm down. We'll come with you. We'll, you, you, we'll come, we'll see what you're talking about. And in verses 15 to 17, we see what they saw. In verse 15, it says this, And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had legion, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. These people of the town, they come out and they begin to, they see this far off, and they're like, is that the... No, that can't be the demon-possessed guy. No, that, that can't be. It is him. That's the demon-possessed guy. He's, he's, he's not crazy. He's not, he's not, how, how did, and then the pigs are gone, and the, they're all floating in the sea, and we don't know what you did, Jesus. We, we don't know how you did it, but you need to leave. You, you, you just, you need to leave. Get out of here. We don't want you. Go away. So, Jesus, being the kind man that he is, goes and gets back in the boat. He's leaving. And the demon-possessed guy comes to him, and he says, Jesus, I don't want to be with you. Let me be with you. Can I be with you? And Jesus, in verse 19, looks at him and says this, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis, how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. You know, I, I'm not the greatest public speaker. I fumble over my words sometimes, and I don't know if anybody else has ever had this problem. I have this problem quite often, but sometimes I'll be talking and the wrong word comes out, and then I'm going, nope, come back, and I can't get the, it's like, ah, oh, that was dumb, oh boy. I just have that problem so often where the wrong word comes out, and it's like, that is not what I meant to say. You know, but you know what I can do? I can do what this guy did. I can tell, tell the people of Argentina what God has done for me. I can tell them how great things he's done for me, and I can tell them how good my God is to me. I can tell them about how the time when I was nine years old, I was on the way to a soccer game with my dad, and a SUV ran a stop sign, we were in a car wreck. And I can remember, I can tell the people of Argentina how from that car wreck, both my dad and I got what is known as traumatic brain injury. 
Basically what that means is for my dad, it left him physically and mentally handicapped to this day. He can't work, he has trouble walking, and tell you the truth, most days doesn't remember what he ate for breakfast. And you might be thinking, well, you seem pretty normal, you seem all right. Well, what's your deal? Well, for me, it caused me to forget the first nine years of my life. Those memories are just gone, wiped away. Think about my wife's testimony, how she, at the age of six, she put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ for her salvation. And I wonder, what was I like at the age of six? But those memories are just gone from me. I can tell the people of Argentina that. You know, I can tell the people of Argentina how, as a 13-year-old, a house fire came through my family's home and destroyed everything we had. Everything was gone in the night. I can tell the people of Argentina that. I can tell the people of Argentina how, as a 15-year-old, I was a sinner, condemned to burn in hell for my crimes against God. Because I had sinned and committed wrong, and I was guilty, and God wasn't going to let me into His heaven. I was going to pay for my sins. Now, I can tell the people of Argentina that. I can tell the people of Argentina how, as a Bible college student, I was broke as broke could be, you know, living on dollar menus, living on ramen noodles and hot dog. Man, it was a good time. I loved it. It was great. And I can remember the financial struggles that my wife and I had when we first married. And I can tell the people of Argentina that. I can tell the people of Argentina how I've... I've I've seen all four of my grandparents pass away and go on home to glory. And I can tell the people of Argentina that. And right about now, you're probably looking at me going, Man, your life sounds horrible. Sounds like you've had it pretty rough. I thought we were talking about the goodness of God today. And we are talking about the goodness of God. But you know what? I, I, things in my life, they have been pretty hard. I'm sure that you've had a hard life too. You know, that's, that's the thing about life is... We all have hard times. We all have that phone call from the doctor that we really didn't want to receive. We all have that, that phone call from a friend or a family member telling us about the death of a loved one. Maybe it's a financial struggle that rose in your life. Maybe it's a broken relationship. I don't know. Maybe you, I'm sure you can think of the hard times that you've had in your life. You know, I, I can imagine this guy right here, he probably, went, he probably had it pretty rough, you know, demon-possessed, living out in the graveyards. And I don't know about you, but I, I ask God why. God, why, why would you let me forget the first nine years of my life and be in this horrible car wreck? Why, why would you let a house fire come through? You know, maybe you've asked God, why, why do I have to have this medical problem? Why do I have to have this financial struggle? Why, God, why? You know, I bet this demon-possessed guy asked God why. And I have often asked God why. And then I came down to verses 19 and 20 where Jesus says, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. You know, it's oftentimes in the hard times of life we really see the goodness of God. We truly see how good God is in the hard times of life. You know what? I was in a horrible car wreck at the age of nine. But you know what? I'm not paralyzed. I'm alive. I'm able to talk and walk before you today. Man, God's been good. You know, a house fire came through and destroyed my family's home. But we all made it out alive, all the animals, all the people. We all made it out safe and sound, unharmed. Man, God's been good. You know, I was a sinner condemned to pay my, for my sins against God. I was going to pay with death, my own death. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and lived a sinless, perfect life 
for 33 years on this earth. And He shed His innocent blood in my place so that I might have forgiveness of sins. Man, and, I, and He made that salvation available to me through His death, burial, and resurrection. Man, God's been good. He saved my soul. Man, that's good. He's been good. You know, I had, we've had financial struggles, but you know, the amazing thing is God's always provided. I, even when it didn't make any sense for it to work out, God somehow came through and provided what we needed. Man, God's been good. You know, yes, I've, I've lost my grandparents to death, and they've all passed on. But you know what? The Holy Spirit of God brought comfort during those times. And I know and am assured because of their testimonies that they're in heaven today. Man, I get to see them again someday. Man, God's been good. You know, I'm sure you can think about the hard times in your life and think about how God brought you through those. You know, I can see a couple of good things about how good, how good God has been to you today. Number one, everybody's wearing clothes. You're all dressed today. Yeah, it's God's been good. He's provided for you to have clothing on your backs. He's provided that for you. You know, you're in church today. I don't know how you got here, whether you walked, whether you drove yourself, whether you got a ride with somebody. But man, you, you got to church today. Man, God's been good. He's provided a way for you to be here today. You know, that's nothing. You're in church today. Don't take this for granted because so many people in this world don't, don't have this. They don't have a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church to attend. You know, that's why we're going to the country of Argentina. That's why we're going to the city of Buenos Aires because there's a lack of Bible-believing, Bible-preaching Baptist churches there. And they need that. Don't take this for granted. Don't take your pastor for granted because so many people, they don't have a pastor who loves them. They don't have a pastor who, who takes the Word of God and shows them what God says. Man, God's been good to you. You know, I hope and pray that everybody here today knows Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I hope today that you know your sins are forgiven and that you have a home in heaven because of Jesus Christ. Man, if you don't know that today, come talk to me, come talk to the pastor. We want to show you from the Word of God how you can be saved and know heaven's yours. And if you know that today, man, God's been good. Man, He's done something great for you in saving your soul. Yeah. And you, you, know, you can think back on that medical time where perhaps God brought through and He brought healing. Maybe it was a broken relationship, but God brought restoration. Maybe it was the death of a loved one, but God brought peace and comfort during that time. Man, God's been good to us. And you know, I challenge you, just like Jesus challenged this man, to tell somebody. Tell someone about how good God's been to you. Share the goodness of God with someone this week. Find someone and say, hey, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Let me tell you how good my God has been to me. He's saved my soul. He's provided food for me to eat. He's, he's provided clothes on my back, a roof over my head. Let me tell you how good my God's been. You might be thinking, well, Robert, that's just my story. That's just my testimony. What, what good could that possibly do? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turn with me a couple chapters over to Mark chapter number 7. Mark chapter number 7. And in Mark chapter number 7, we see something pretty cool that I just absolutely love. In verses 31 and 32 of Mark 7, it says this in verse 31, And again departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. 
wait a minute, Decapolis? Isn't that the place just a couple chapters before was kicking Jesus out? They didn't want anything to do with Jesus. And now they're saying, no, Jesus, stop, heal us, help us. We've heard what you can do. We've seen what you can do. Help us. How do they know that? You know, the Word of God doesn't clearly say this, but I submit to you, it's that demon-possessed guy. That demon-possessed guy that Jesus reached and Jesus saved, and he, he went out throughout all the capitalists saying, hey, you're never going to believe what Jesus has done for me. You're never going to believe what Jesus has done. You're never going to believe how good God is. You're never going to believe that I was demon-possessed. I was crazy, but Jesus saved me. Jesus changed my life. You don't believe me. Look at the scars of my past. Look at what he's brought me through. Look at how he saved me. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus. And then I can imagine he just went everywhere shouting the name of Jesus. And I can imagine the people of Decapolis, this area there, they began to see this and go, he, he did that for you? He, he saved you like that? He healed you like that? Wow. I, you, you know, I've got this friend over here. He, he's deaf and he can't talk right. And, you, you know, I've got my own problems. I, I wonder if Jesus could help us. I wonder if Jesus can save us like that. And now instead of kicking Jesus out, they want Jesus to stop. They want Jesus for themselves. You know, that's the power of your story. That's the power of your testimony. You share Jesus with someone and say, hey, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. And He can do the same for you. You know, by sharing our testimonies, sharing what God has done for us, we can see a lost soul come to know Jesus Christ. You know, if there's one thing I've realized... And this year has made me realize is, I mean, this year has been a crazy year. I walk around with a mask in my pocket now. I mean, th this is the world we live in now. I walk around with the mask, and I think, man, this world's gone crazy, turned upside down. But, you know, they don't have Jesus Christ. They don't have someone who gives them peace beyond all understanding. They don't have someone who gives them comfort and peace. They, all they know is fear and chaos. They don't know that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. You know, God's given us so much. You know, this world, it's just shown me this year that this world needs Jesus more than ever. Don't look at D.C. because D.C. just reminds you how much this world needs Jesus. You know, they turn on the news and it's just like, well, this is depressing. But you know what? It made me realize how badly they need Jesus. You know, my God has been so good to me this year. You know, even though it's been hard, even though we've had to, we had to stop traveling for a few months because churches weren't meeting and I miss church, man. I really miss church because out on the East Coast, man, we were, church was shutting down left and right for a while and it was crazy. You know, I miss church. But you know what? Even through those months where we didn't travel, our God still provided. Our God still came through for us and gave us what we needed. Man, God's been good. I challenge you this week to find someone this week. Find someone and say, hey, let me tell you about a time that I was lost, but Jesus saved my soul. Let me tell you about how I had a financial struggle, but Jesus came through. And you can have a part in seeing lost souls come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And that's what it's all about, seeing people saved, seeing people reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I ask that you be praying for my wife and I, my family and I, as we endeavor to get to Argentina, as we endeavor to raise our support to go there and to see lost souls reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for this opportunity 
to be in your house. Lord, you've been so good to us in providing a place of worship for us to meet in today. Lord, I just pray for this church. Lord, I pray for your people today, Lord. I pray that we would be obedient to your word and obedient to your command to tell others about you. And Lord, I pray that you would keep this church safe, keep the people of this church safe, Lord. Keep them healthy, keep this virus away from them, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would be with them this week. Give them opportunities to tell the world about you. Tell someone about you this week, Lord. Lord, I pray for the pastor now as he comes to close the service, Lord. I pray that you give him the wisdom and strength and that he needs to guide this church, Lord. And I pray that you continue to use this church in a great and mighty way to reach souls here in this community and around the world. Lord, I just praise you again for who you are and what you've done in your name. Listening friend, do you know where you'll go after you die? Without the gift of Jesus, it will be an eternity in hell without God. Good works will not get you there. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. To spend eternity with God, we must recognize that we are sinners in need of Christ. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. To be assured eternal life, we simply talk to God, admit you are a sinner, and ask him for his free gift. You must mean the words to, get the, to be answered. Jesus is waiting to hear your request. If you have asked him for eternal life, he has come into you and he will change you. Start reading the book of Ephesians and see what God says about your new life. After you understand the book of Ephesians, you can start reading the Gospel of John. Next, find a good Bible teaching church. Tell the pastor about your decision for God and be taught. If you contact us, we will send you a new believer booklet free of charge. Congratulations and grow in Christ. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by snail mail at P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 86431. We are happy to help you with your new life in Christ or even answering Bible questions. Again, congratulations on your decision for Christ.